0: Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast, equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. In this episode, we're delighted to share with you a talk from our archives, This was first recorded at the Pastoral Refreshment Conference in 2017 and is a talk on Staying in Step with the Spirit by Paul Mallard. As this talk is from several years ago, the quality isn't as high as we would usually share on this podcast, but I do hope you'll bear with the recording as the message that Paul delivers is truly encouraging. I
1: was in a little brethren church in a place called Chippenham in Wiltshire. And uh, my wife and I, uh, as I was teaching, we joined the church, and um, the church really was was struggling. They were lovely folks, warm-hearted people, but my wife and I were the youngest couple in the church, and the church was in some difficulty. And so they, they took a very brave decision. They asked me to be their pastor. And so I was appointed as pastor, and I think in those early years, I had three key priorities. The first was prayer recognised how important it was that we prayed, so we called the church together and regularly for prayer, uh, and had some wonderful times of prayer. The second thing was preaching. Uh, I believed that God would honour preaching of his word, and so I, I buried myself in God's word and preached, and preached preach three times a week usually, and the third thing was evangelism. And uh, to begin with, things were quite tough. The first year was wonderfully successful. We had one conversion and 12 guests. The kind of church that you went to if you wanted to end your journey, that sort of thing. But, but slowly, after two or three years, the church began to turn the corner and began to grow a bit. And in there for maybe two and a half years, in the town there was a, a Christian bookshop. And uh, one, one day I was in the bookshop, and, and there was a guy who'd just arrived uh, in the town, and he kind of asked the people in the bookshop, what are the different churches? Like, tell me the flavour of the different churches. And they, they kind of... He on the different characteristics of the churches in Chippenham. And, uh, uh, he'd obviously heard something about the church that I was the pastor of. And so when I arrived, he said, oh yeah, who are you? I said, oh, I go to this church. I didn't know I was the pastor, but who are you? Yeah, I go to this church. What, which church is it? I, such and such. He said, oh yeah, I've heard about that church. He thought about it for a minute and remembered what he'd been told. That's the church that believes in the Bible that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Which I guess in you know, meant we were not charismatic. Now, I'm not sure what labels mean, I, I think labels are pretty uh, out of date these days, and, and I don't want to get caught in labels, but I guess that was true. We were not charismatic. But I went away feeling absolutely devastated. Was I missing something in my ministry? Was there something that, that, that was absent that ought to be there? And so what I did was, was to come to the Scriptures, and to study the Scriptures, and to spend three or four months just just seeing what the what the New Testament in particular said about the Holy Spirit. And the conclusion I came to is that every single blessing that we ever experience is planned by the Father, and purchased by the Son, and brought into our lives by the Holy Spirit. There are no blessings that we ever have in our personal walk with God, or in our, our church life, or in our ministry life, that does not come through to us, through the work of the Spirit. And yet sometimes we neglect him, we forget him. He's pushed to the side. And so that, that that following January, after having done this Bible study, I started a series that lasted for six months on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. At the end of the series, I was due to go and speak at the very first conference that I'd ever been invited to. It's in a little church uh, south of Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire. And about a, about a month before I was due to preach, like they rang me up and they said, Oh Mr. Mallow, are you still so coming? I said, Yeah, yeah, it's in the diary, all right. Can I ask you, what are you gonna be preaching on? And I said, I want to preach on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, he at the end and I said, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't gone funny. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> well I probably had gone funny around 35 years later. And what do I say? Well, i say to you today, I I haven't changed my convictions one little bit at all. I'm still convinced of the importance of the, the Bible, but I'm equally convinced about the importance of the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no powerful anointed preaching. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no comfort in sorrow. There's no strength in trials. There's no spiritual gifts. There's no church love. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no passion for holiness no passion for souls, no honouring Jesus, no glorifying God. It's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so it's a great delight to be able to speak about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have three sessions. first two sessions, I've kind of slightly reversed the order. What we're going to be doing today in this first session is thinking about the way in which the Holy Spirit helps us to persevere and to continue, not just as Christians, but in ministry. Tomorrow morning we'll think about the Holy Spirit, how he helps us in our battle against sin, and then on the last morning we'll think about the Holy Spirit and fruitfulness. So tonight and tomorrow morning we're looking at Ephesians. and uh, Ephesians <laughs> is a great book to look at, if you want to understand the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned in every chapter of Ephesians actually, on some chapters two or three times. And there's a wonderful gamut of, of 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 his of his person and his work in the book of Ephesians. So if you if you want something to read over the next four days, look through Ephesians and, and pick out those verses in particular that speak about the work of the Spirit this morning and tomorrow at, uh, at Ephesians, and then I thought we'd finish on on uh, on Thursday morning by looking at Acts chapter two, um, the, 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 the very Pentecost. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to be looking today at this great prayer report that comes at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. You know that Ephesians falls into two parts. The first part is doctrine. The second part is practice. The first part is all, all the blessings that we have in Christ. The second part is how we work that out in our daily lives. So let me read from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, within the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus will have all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I want to pick up particularly on the second part of Paul's prayer there. Middle of verse 17, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Son. To know how to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, but to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And we pray, and then we pray. Father, we want to thank you for your love to us. We want to thank you for the Father who loved us in eternity and set his heart upon us before all of the stars were, 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 were created, before anything else exists. We, we thank you for the Son who, you the moment in history came to this earth and, and became a man and lived and died on a cross to say, people just love us. He rose with the Perfect And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the one who is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Holy and, and totally and completely God. Divine and blessed with, with, with the Father and Son. We want to pray that today, as we come to the Word, we thank it that we have the scriptures. we long for the Spirit to come. The, 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 that that wonderful mystery, that wonderful miracle might take place where the Word and the Spirit come together. The, 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 the voice of God and the power of God, the life of God, so that we need to, to ask this, Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm i are be thinking in this first session about persevering, keeping going. But by that I don't just mean keeping going so that in five years or in ten years time we're still in ministry. What I mean by that is keeping going so that we continue to be fresh and vibrant and enjoying our ministries. And that's what we're going to be thinking about in this first session. I've been a pastor for most of the 35 years I've been mean, in ministry, but for four years I was involved principally in training young men and women in course in Birmingham, you've already picked up my accent, with Bromley. Did you get that already? I'm not going to apologise, but there you <laughs> go. Any other Bromleys here, by the way? Oh, good. do. was at least one. So, 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 so in Birmingham, it's wonderful to actually Take this course, and uh, normally what happened was that the churches would want to send their, their trainees or their apprentices to us, and, and we'd just take them on the on the recommendation of the pastor. But from time to time, we did an interview. And on, on this one occasion, there's a fast on here, and he ran me up and said, we've got this guy, and he wants to do the course, and we would love him to do the course, but you need to meet him first. So you need to meet him? I said, okay, I'm happy to do that. So he arranged to meet in a coffee shop, and I'm sat there by the door waiting for him to come in, and he came in, and, 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 and as he entered the room, he kind of blocked out the sun. He was about six foot six foot, he was square, huge black and he walked across, and I thought, it would be really difficult to tell him you can't do the course, yes. isn't he? <laughs> I, 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 I said, Tell me a story. And he said, I left school when I was uh, uh, 16, I got into trouble, I was in the dance. and then I found that uh, I did work, I, I, uh, I was a bouncer, so I was a bouncer for a number of years, and then he said, I became a bodyguard. I was uh, passionate to mention some of the people that he protected, and I knew the mountains, I was a bodyguard. I said. But five years ago, everything changed. Five years ago, I got to know Jesus. I was saved. It's just a I, I just love Jesus so much. He's my problem. I'm not very good at reading, and I'm not very good at what I'm saying. But, but I love Jesus, and I want to study. And, and then he said this. He said, it's like this. He said, my, my heart's up here, and my head's down there. And I want my head to catch up with my heart. Can I come on your course? I said, yes. -hmm. Because that's exactly the kind of guy me. My problem in my life, and maybe it's a problem in your life, is that very often my head's up wall, my heart's down wall. My head is is kind of engaged in ministry. I'm preaching probably on average three or four times a week now, and and what does that mean? It means that I can become a kind of a a sermon producing factory. I just you know start on a Monday morning and I just churn out sermons and and, and it just becomes an automatic thing. I worked out recently, I put something in the and did that 3,000 sermons. a year I imagine? And I said, if, you know, if all my sermon ends long, there still <laughs> wouldn't nice. But you know, that's the problem that many of us face. How do we maintain a heart that is warm and passionate? It's not enough just to say, well, in six years I'm asked to be in ministry and that's an achievement, but it will be an achievement. But will you be vibrant? Will you be in love with Christ? Will you be overflowing with joy? What is that dangerous is that other things take the place of Christ in our life? What's the biggest challenge in ministry? Just think about that for a moment. Producing fresh sermons? That's a challenge, isn't it? Building a leadership team. Maintaining unity. Defending truth in a post-truth era. All important things. Can I tell you what I think is the biggest challenge in ministry, for me personally anyway, Allowing Jesus the rightful place in my life. Allowing Jesus the rightful place in my life. I don't want to just keep going. I don't know how many years of ministry I've got left, but I want to just keep going. I want to be passionate. I want to be fresh. I want to be vibrant in this. Let me give you a few tests. Just to test your heart. Small note this afternoon. Test number one. Are you still captivated by? I'm still captivated by Christ. I was converted when I was 11. I will remember it as if it was yesterday. almost 50 years ago now. I, 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 you know, people say you can't, be, you can't be convicted of sin when you're 11. Well, I was. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was lost. I knew I was going to hell. And when I heard the gospel for the last time, I went to the cross for salvation. And at the age of 11, someone said, "Look, from now onwards, from this moment onwards." You've got to go and try and be a missionary and try and not say okay, because I belong to Jesus and love him so much. Very, very kind of childish but it was really for you still love Jesus as much as you do. Are you captivated by Christ? Do you long for intimacy with Christ? That's the second test. Do you long for intimacy with Christ? Did you hear his voice this morning? What did he say? Did you hear his voice yesterday? Can you remember the last time or is that a distant memory? Remember the time when I was having a lot of time about with the Lord? You remember know that? My wife and I had four kids, which the have got four kids, and uh, a couple of years ago they left home, and so we went to the Simpsons called the Empty Nests Syndrome. You know, in front Empty Nests Syndrome? Could well, I tell you something about the Empty Nests Syndrome? That's yeah. yeah. marvellous. I, I realised how wonderful it was. I'd have pushed them out of the tree years ago. That we can be alone together. We can spend time romantically engaged together. And we don't need to worry about people being alone. When you're in love with someone, you want to be alone with them, don't you? you want to be alone with Jesus. Do you really want to be alone with them. Do you gives for Here's a third test. Do you enjoy service? Do You enjoy being in ministry. Oh, I know it's hard work. I know it's tough. And I know that sometimes we do it because it's our duty. And you know, duty is not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word at all. Sometimes we just have to keep going. Sometimes, you know, I get up on a on a Monday morning ready to prepare us. I don't know, feel like that. If you were to set me aside and say, Do you enjoy serving God? Oh yeah, I do. I can't think of anything else in the world I'd rather do. We can be diligent in our religion and yet distant in our relationship. Do you enjoy service? Well, I prepare young men and young women to, to do all sorts of things. Well, so excited, but do you enjoy preaching? And if I say no, not at all, I say well don't do it. If you don't enjoy preaching, don't become a preacher because if you don't enjoy it, there is no chance that your congregation will ever enjoy <laughs> Do you enjoy being a Christian? Well, I, I, I don't want to, to, to services sometimes. I'm preaching over the place. So. And I sometimes think that it's almost a mark of spirituality that was supposed to be durable. And we're supposed to have long faces. you must think that's that out as has believed us. There's like that wonderful story about, about Spurgeon, who who, who, who could be effundes. I mean he was a solemn man, but boy couldn't be effidescent. And someone fell along to his service and they wrote him and said, Mr Spurgeon, we, we, we were amazed nice we don't think we could ever worship in your church we want to find another church that is more suitably miserable. I could attack them in quite a few of those churches (laughs) do you enjoy your service do you enjoy God here's another one, do you love what Jesus loves do you love what Jesus loves shall I tell you what Jesus loves he loves it to bits It's his people. He loves his people. Don't be a minister if you don't like the Lord's people. Remember the test that Jesus gave of the good shepherd? The good shepherd, what? Lies down his life for the sheep. How do you know the good shepherd? He lays down his the sheep. What does the good shepherd do? He lays down his life for the sheep three times. That's the mark of the good shepherd. Don't be a shepherd if you don't have a shepherd's heart. And know that the Lord's people are. Infuriating. I know that they're frustrated. I know that it's like herding cats sometimes. I know all those things. But you love what the Lord does. You love these people. Here's the last test. Are you still excited by the gospel? Are you still thrilled by the gospel? Are you still amazed that God is I had a little bit a story before my wife my kid, kid, and I had a feeling of privilege of and ruled the room alone and being superb. And she said after she was crying, What do I do next? I have go and tell some of this. She went home and she prepared her phone book. And for the next three hours, she rang everybody in the phone So everybody who knew her, anybody who was there, you know, there's the butcher and the baker and the candlestick matter, absolutely everybody. And she said after three hours, I was really hungry. So I thought, I'm all getting a machine and I stood there and thought, I need to tell you something about Jesus. And so she said, can I tell you something? And he said, what's that? And I said, what's that? And he said what, what's that? I've just come to know Jesus. He's wonderful. He's my Savior. And he said, I oh. do well, I'd better give you an extra piece of fish. That <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. only works once. <laughs> 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 That's right. <laughs> but who's in action? I we so true? I we so I love you. You say, use um, your heart to die. Not on that kind of heart. Now, that, now, now the question is, how do we get it? Dangerous, but we, we, we just carry on the way we are. And we will just keep going. And we just suck it in, and we do our duty, and all the rest. I, I, I want us, and, 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 and we kind of thought we've circle around the text from all a long time before we land, but I want us for you just to take away. One lesson that. One thing, and I, I think this is the spark that ignites the love in our hearts. And it's quite simply this, Paul's prayer, the essence of Paul's prayer, at the middle verse 17, is it, God loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants you to know it. Say it again, that's the essence of the prayer, that's all I want you to take away today. God loves you, God loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants you to know it. And at this point, we're saying, hey I man, that's pretty simple. It's Christianity 101, isn't you know. it? I didn't need to come away from the living leadership to learn something, we learn from day as a Christian. Here's the problem. Many of us, and I, I put myself in this category, believe it as a theological truth, but it hasn't sunk into our hearts sufficiently, so that it boots us. We, we carry on our ministry, and we forget how much the Lord is. Until we get into a kind of a position where we're trying to earn his love. When things go wrong, we doubt his love. Not want simply to drive this home in this first session because you see, we flourish when we know we love. We blossom when we're conscious of God's smile. The Holy Spirit sheds the love of Christ, the Lord, in our hearts. Thomas Goodwin, the Puritan, said that the Christian life is like a, a man walking with his son. Most of the time, they're just kind of walking along the way. But from time to time, the father will take his phone so in his arms and will kiss him and will help him And they are putting And they are putting down and they are go and walking. So the, the father's like that. Most of our Christian life is like walking with us and holding our hand and we know we're secure. Sometimes or sometimes, they will tell up to meet and we just really know how are going. what I've prayed last few days, really, that we have. I no, And might as well a bit touching feelings. But I am a working class government. I'm not touching feeling. And look at the haircut. I'm not touching feeling. But sometimes we really need anything like in our hearts what we accept as so truth in our heads. So let's look at the text. I want to suggest that there are three things here for the to notice. Number one, a solid foundation, number two, a staggering description. And the greatness of the outcome. Number one, there is a solid foundation. Have a look, if you will, please, at verse 17. I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. I pray that you may be rooted and establish the love. There are many things that Paul prays for him in this letter. There are many things that he could have prayed for them. They're in a difficult uh, certain situation. They're surrounded by paganism. There's false teaching. All sorts of things are going on. But what does he pray? I pray for your roots and your foundations. I pray that you may be deeply rooted. The, the word there is 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 a picture from nature, isn't it? It's, it's a, a, a nature picture. Not a sapling but a mighty oak. When the drought and the storm comes, I pray that you might have stability and health and fruit. That you might know how much God loves you. That should be the the, the ground in which your life is built. That's the ground in which you put down the roots. Love is the best soil in which the Christian life can flourish. I want you to be rooted in Christ. So that you'll have stability and strength and freshness and health. Into the picture in Psalm 1, that the tree that is by the riverside that puts its roots down into the water, whatever happens, it stands firm. When the drought comes, it stands firm. When the wind blows, it stands firm. That's the first picture. The second picture, it is from architecture. The foundation is talking about the foundation of a building. The most important part of any building is the bit you can't see. The most important part of your life is the bit that no one sees. They see the visible, they see you when you're in the pulpit, or when you're in the counselling room, or when you're, you're doing something around the church, but the bit that they don't see is the foundation, the bit that's under the ground. I pray that you might know, in the foundation of your life, how much God loves you. you know, those two pictures side by side, the tree and the building. I pray that you may be rooted in love, that you may have a foundation of love. What is he's saying, I'd say you might know how much God loves you. Why do we need to know how much God loves us? Well, we need it for service, don't we? We need it when we suffer. We need it when we fail. We need it when we sin. I'm not going to be saying a great deal about suffering over these next couple of days. Um, My wife and I have walked with suffering very closely over the last 23 years. She she was diagnosed very recently with multiple sclerosis, but she's been Wheelchair for twenty-three years now, a whole range of things, and and as we struggle with that, we we come to understand that there are there are things that God does in our lives in order to prepare us for ministry, and there are things that are happening in your life at the moment, or maybe have happened or will happen, that are preparing you for ministry, and and, and it's good to understand God's purposes. None of, none of the suffering that God allows in the lives of his son is ever wasted. It's always for a purpose. And very often it's not just to bless us, it's to bless other people. He crushes us for the sake of other people. But there are times when we just don't understand the purpose, and the only thing that we can hold on to in the deep foundation of our lives is that although I don't understand this and I can't grasp it and I can't get it, I know that he loves me. He loves me too much to trick me in any way that he's untied. I had a little grandson, in fact, he lived there yesterday, my little grandson drops on my lap. Like, I love him for bits, he's got a wonderful name, his name is Moses Josiah Malar. That's a great name, isn't it? You need to pray for him that name. <laughs> 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 if Moses is on a little flight, and, try, and he's going across the road, and he hits the curb, and he falls over and skins his head. And he runs to me. Now I'm a great educator. I wasn't teaching behind arguments. I, I tell you what I do. I, I, I see this only too, but here's an opportunity for education. I take him in my arms, and I, I don't poke him. I don't kind of hold him at the arms length. And I say, "Now, notice. I want you to understand. This, this is important you to understand." It's a lesson in physics for really. you. Are, you were going at, at, at such and such an angle for the curve. So if you'd been at 37 degrees to the meridian, you wouldn't have come over. But but you were 38.5 degrees. And, and do you know why you're crying? It's because you have pain in your hands. Do you know why? Because your central nervous system is sending a message from your pain receptors to your brain. And do you know why you want to hug? Well, that's all to do with Freudian analysis and parental uh, deprivation. Do I do that? No. <laughs> I tap it in my arms and i there are times when God does not explain. We do not live live by God's love. What Paul's saying here is that I want you to have a foundation. You will not survive in ministry unless you know that you're loved. You will not continue in ministry unless you know that you're loved. And, 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 and it's great to be loved by the Lord's people, it's great to be loved by our partner. No. I've you minister ministry because of the grace of God and because of the patience of the church and because of the love of a good woman. But apart from that, sometimes those things are not normal. Something that will keep at going is knowing, knowing that we're loved. But then you have a solid foundation. Number two, look at a staggering description. Staggering description. Pray that you may be rooted and established enough. You may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that love so it surpasses knowledge. Interesting, and those of you who are Greek scholars will know that the word for grasp, there's a very strong word. In other words, I, I don't want you to just have an intellectual ascent, I don't want you just to have a, a, a general kind of knowledge, I want you to grasp this. I want you to, to, to be gripped by it. I want it to sing you. I want it to lay hold of you. I want it to control you. I want you to feel the grip of the love of God in your heart, in your life. I want you to know that. And my voice was small. Um, You've seen the Pink Panther. Have you ever the Pink Panther and his servant Kato who hides behind the wardrobe and jumps on top of him? I remember that. My voice used to do that. They would, I'd come in from the church and they'd dive off the wardrobe or they'd dive from the settle, they'd be high. And we used to wrestle about and fight about and my wife would scream at them and be careful, you know, be careful, they're only little boys. She stopped doing it then, or they stopped doing it then, she used to shout, be careful, you're kidding, it's an old man. it kind of changed. But, but when we'd been wrestling around on the floor in one another's arms and, and you know, all sorts of stuff and I'd pick them up and throw them against the wall and they'd bounce and, you know, not really, but it's you get the idea. I look at my arms, and I think, "My And that's the word which is used to, to grip, to grab, to hold on. I want you to be gripped by that. And then he has what Charles Simeon calls four magnitudes. How wide is this love? Well, it crosses time and space and history, it crosses continents and cultures human divisions save sinners. It's a love that is so wide that it encompasses even men. It's a life love which is for the unworthy. The love that we used to sing about, didn't we, in Sunday school, wide, wide as the ocean. That's how wide it is. So wide that when his enemies take him and they throw him to the ground and they drive nails for his hands and his feet and they lift him up and for the very first time the whole weight of his body is hanging on there by the points of pain, and wrists, and foot, and hands, and, and, and what is and side. Uh, and almost symbolically, his arms are outstretched. They're outstretched to a lost world. How wide this is love? It's, it's a love that encompasses people from all sorts of backgrounds. One of the great themes in the Last couple of chapters, it's a love that, that crosses the barrier between Jew and Gentile. It's a love that is infinitely wide. And how long is that love? Ephesians 1-4, he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. His love was, was set upon you today. Just think about this that His love was set upon you today, not when you were first believed, not when you were a child, not in, 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 the, in the time of your grandparents or your great grandparents. Not, not even in, in in the time of the cross when Jesus died on the cross for you. Not even not even in the time of Isaiah or Abraham or or, 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 or Eden. He loved you in eternity. He loved you before the foundation of the world, sympathy and enormity of Knowing what you would do, knowing what you were, knowing your failures and your faults. And your foibles, he loved you in eternity. Augustine, the great right. theologian, once asked, what was God doing in eternity? He rather secretly requires preparing the price of punishment for people asking questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, the Bible does tell us. I tells us that, that, that God the Father loved God the Son, and I joined with the one of the Spirit of love in eternity. A love that, that you can't imagine, and you can't compare, you can't even begin to compute. You've got children or grandchildren, sometimes when the kids it's small, you take know, them so in your arms as you look at them, and, and it hurts just to look at how much you're loved. You how great your love you is. Can so you do anything for your kids? Well, if I have five grandchildren, look at do anything for your kids. think that love, and yet that love is nothing compared with the love that the father has for yourself. I'm talking about a Amazing, nice extraordinary. And what God is doing in the sense, He also says, and He was loving you. were was in His mind. His love started before the Lord. Started before the earth. And He was on the cross. He said, so, the cost of your salvation was in the mind of the Father who loved the Son. Eternity, turn of Son and with His Father and rest Him and come and die You know that one of the You know that what kind of I tell you all that I don't just want you to know it I don't want you to just put a tick in a theological box there and talk about the love of God too. I want you to grasp the fight even right. on why how long? How far? How high is this love? What does this love bring to us? Well, it brings to us in Christ every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. That's what Ephesians 1, 2 and 3 are all about. Count your blessings. I mean, if you want a thankful heart over these next few days, just go through Ephesians 1, 2 and 3 and make a list of the blessings. And thank God for them. So we we're so good at bay aren't we? He's so good at complaining when God has blessed us with so much. He has justified us. Our sins are not just forgiven. We are, we are clothed in righteousness of Christ. God looks upon us and he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't even see us as, 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 as forgiven people. He sees us in the righteousness of his own son. He is sanctifying us. He is changing us. He is transforming us to make us like Jesus. He will glorify us. One day my wife who hasn't walked in a straight line without help for 23 years, we'll run in God's presence. We will dance together in God's presence, which is amazing, because I've never danced with anybody anywhere at any time. But you do all sorts of things in heaven. heaven. My mum is coming to the end of her journey at this very moment, in time. My mum was converted after my death, And she's going to see my baby heaven for the very first time. He his husband and, husband and He will glorify us. He's given us his word with all his promises. God our Father loves us. Jesus our Saviour died for us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We have the body of Christ to support us and encourage us and cheer us up. We have a glorious hope. And he nourishes. He has lifted us up. He has raised us to the heavenly realms of Christ. That's how much we how wide? How long? How deep? How deep is His love? His love is his deep his Calvary. His love is as deep as Calvary. There is the Son of God, the love of the Father, and He is betrayed and He is, he is despised and He is tortured. He is mocked. He was murdered. He exchanges glory for God's offer. He exchanges the song of the angels for the spit of the soldiers. He exchanges the streets of gold for the splendid of names. He exchanges the adoration of angels for the horror of dying in agony under a darkened sky. How much does he love us? Do you doubt his love? Does he doubt his love? love. Go to the cross. Martin Luther said all our theology must be conducted in earshot of Albert. All our theology must be conducted in earshot of Albert. I remember many years ago coming to the Peasant Convention, my wife and I thought I really loved Peasantism wonderful time for spiritual repressionist growth. And a number of years ago coming in, and hearing someone, I can't remember who it was, but he just come back from a time in England. And he was being he was preaching for an interpreter. And it was Easter time. And on Good Friday, he was preaching on the Cross of Christ. He said, I, I, I began a sermon and this guy I've been working with this one man, an Indian, know, know, and he said yes yeah, brilliant. You know, I, I, I could tell from the congregation's reaction of what I was saying was being perfectly composed by this guy. And so I would speak and you would interpret, I in would speak and you would interpret, and this went on for a while, and said. And then we got to the description of what our side was fundamental this environment. Um, so as I began to explain it, for some reason the interpretation was kind up. slower and I, I I'm talking to you ourselves well. down bit, well. And then I, 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 I described some more of the suffering of Jesus, and suddenly I looked across at him, and, and said, So I said, it and I, said, I I'm it and I looked, and I saw that he couldn't speak Seriously, that while I just couldn't get a word just could not put the, the glory, the mystery, the wonder, the majesty of Christ crucified and just lifted. It's uh, I pray that you might be by the love of God. That's So, do you have a solid foundation? Is that a foundation in your life today, you're living in that? Some of you probably come here in difficult circumstances. Some of you may have come thinking you want to give up your ministry. I've been in ministry 35 years. So there have been two occasions when I thought my ministry was over. I thought that I couldn't continue because of all sorts of circumstances. that have gone and drove, me there. But maybe that's how you feel. Solid foundation is actually, it's not my ministry that's the most important thing. It's God's work for me. And a staggering description. It's interesting, isn't it? Having given these amazing dimensions, look at what Paul says in verse 19. And to know this love, it's a passage 9. When I've told you everything I can tell you about it, there's still more, and there's still more, and there's still more, and there's still more. And And so finally, look at the stunning outcome. A stunning outcome. You may be filled to the full measure of God. You may be filled with all God's fullness. There's a sense in which that's what we're praying for this weekend. And, and we'll say a little bit more about the filling of the Spirit tomorrow. What does that mean? It's interesting that he's been speaking about having Christ well in the heart, richly, being filled with Christ. Here he's speaking about being filled with God. In chapter 5 he speaks about being filled with the Spirit. What, what does it mean to be filled with all the fullness of God? I, I, I've read all the comments as I can. I've listened to sermons. I'm not sure I fully grasped it. I think it means to be controlled by God. We'll we'll think about that a bit more tomorrow. I think it means to be transformed by God. The next three chapters are all about working out our Christian life in the church, in the world, in the home, in the workplace, in the middle of spiritual warfare. It it certainly means to be transformed by God. But I think ultimately what it means is to be utterly and totally satisfied with God. To be totally kind of blown away with who God is. Because after all, that's what he created us for. He made us so that we would know Him eternally, that we would glory in Him eternally, that we would rejoice in Him eternally, to be filled with the fullness of God is, is, is our ultimate destiny and our ultimate joy. To know Him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I kind of think of it like this. Remember the when the, the, the first um, Puritans landed in America. What did they know of the American continent? They knew a, a little strip of land on the eastern seaboard. Well, that's all they knew, just this tiny little strip of land. What lies beyond the strip of land? Who knows? No one amongst those Europeans, those first European settlers, had ever heard the roar of the Niagara Falls. They hadn't stood on the shores of the mighty Mississippi. They hadn't gazed at the rocky mountains or wondered at the Grand Canyon and the Great Lakes. They hadn't visited the glaciers and the snowfields of the north. They hadn't crossed over to the Gulf of Mexico and seen a thousand glittering islands. They had not gone into the south and seen the Amazon and the Andes and the rainforests. They were yet to discover millions of new and exquisite forms of life. All they knew was this tiny little strip of land. And yet for the next 400 years they would explore continent. In this life, what do we know of God? Well, we know a lot in Christ. The Spirit delights to show us this is a prayer for knowledge, but our knowledge is just that little strip of the borderlands of the majesty and mystery of God. But we say eternity to exploring God? It's exciting to see new vistas of the majesty the wonder, with glory. That's what I think it means to be filled with the performance of God. And it begins now. But now it's just like, it's just like the first page of the preface of the whole novel. And we have the whole novel left Where does it begin? By being excited. It I, I, I was a life preacher before I was a, 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 a full-time pastor. I used to go over to the city church. In a place in which we walk and can, and the secretary of the church is an old bloke, old man called Mr. Marx. First time I went, he said, "Oh, you mean Mr. Marx? I'm the secretary of this church. And if the Lord spares me, on my next birthday, I shall be ninety-six years old. Good." And so I went back the next year and pleaded with the help. My name's Mr. Marsh, <laughs> and if the Lord spares me, next year I should be known seven. And so it went on. And so I went wondering, and said, hello, my name's Mr. Marsh, I'm the secretary of this church. And if the Lord spares me, next year I should be one hundred years old. And then I'm going to retire in a separate. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a bit lax. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I remember of him. Apart from the he looked into his eyes. He in the back and he always cried the same thing: Father, thank you for bringing this young man to preach us to die. And to die, this is our prayer. We want to see Jesus. Because he is the darling of heaven, and he is the darling of our hearts. Show us Jesus and his the Holy Spirit loves to show us the darling of heaven and God. Father, we thank you that you love us. Easy to decide, you give us Forgive us, Lord, when we allow other things to add your price and add your righteousness. give us hearts that are just overwhelmed With the privilege of knowing you. Forgive us, Lord, preciousness
0: thank you for listening to the living leadership podcast we hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the lord if you're encouraged by today's episode consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us if you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today we'd love to hear from you You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders. Or you can visit our website www.livingleadership.org where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings.